All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Barons of Boston web series. Uh, I'm your host, Joe Zanka. And today I have my guest, Eric Mason, who is the chief financial officer of the city of Quincy. How are you, Eric? Good, Joe. How are you doing today? I'm doing really well. I'm doing really well. I appreciate um, you coming on and being willing to talk to us. Oh, I'm happy to have, I'm happy to be on. So look, let's just dive right into it. Um, you know, for anybody who's been listening to these things, obviously I do a lot of talking with um, entrepreneurial type people, people who, um, you know, run their own businesses or part of, you know, their own business. Um, but in this scenario, you know, your business is kind of a city. And so you have a mayor who is basically the CEO of the city. And then you're kind of his right hand man, you know, telling him about the day to day and the month to month and the you know, quarter to quarter financials. So can you tell us a little bit about what that is like? Yeah, uh, first off, low competition, I would say. That's how I describe my job. Only, there's only one city in the city of Quincy. Uh, no, but from a day-to-day operations, it's actually very, very similar to the private sector. Um, I would say I have a lot of friends who work in the private sector, obviously, and fellow C staff that works in the private sector. Local government's very different than state and uh, very, very different than federal. We have to have balanced budgets. We have to perform well. Um, we are uh, just from a, leg- not only from a legislative side, do we have a city council's functions very much like a board would at a private corporation in addition- with additional powers. Um, but for my role as a CFO is you still have to ensure revenue projections are correct. You constantly have to be adjusting revenue projections. I'm a believer very, very big believer in FMA, forecast, manage, analyze, point where you're going, maintain that course. And then then once you're past a point, turn around and analyze if you're right or not and keep building up that ability to analyze where you come from, where you've been. And that's proven to be exceptionally uh, needed during COVID because much like every corporation, every company in in the United States, in the Commonwealth or in the greater Boston area, we're dealing with serious changes of operations that both financially and procedurally because of COVID. So in a lot of ways, it's very similar to probably a CFO of, a, of a, another company that does, you know, about $400 million a year in revenue and expenses. No, it sounds like it. I mean, it's, um, it's essentially a business, um, you know, you're, I guess, in a way, your customers are the people that live there. Um, and then, you know, you guys are running multiple different sectors of an operation. And so you're trying to balance, you know, all of that and something like COVID obviously can be something that is tremendously uh, impactful on, on what you're doing in day to day. And then looking outward, like you said, forecasting must be pretty difficult because in, in, in analyzing things that change kind of on a day to day basis now, when beforehand it was probably a little bit easier, not that it was ever easy. Yeah. It's, it was such a cataclysmic shift. It's a little bit of whiplash. No, I'm sure. I mean, we're all getting through it. Um, and, you know, I, I think um, we, we kind of owe it a lot to people like you who are, who are trying to manage our cities through something like this and, and maintain budgets and, um, and, and keeping up, you know, especially when it comes to schools, you know, getting people back to school, getting people, you know, getting schools ready to hopefully house students at some point in time. Um, I'm sure that's been a huge thing. It's just been um, a little bit of a mess kind of everywhere, but, um, but no, I appreciate you kind of explaining how that works and the roles within, you know, the city, because it does, again, sound a lot like a business. It sounds like a lot like a very important piece of anybody who's running a business is understanding your numbers and understanding where you're going and where you need to go and what happens when it gets disrupted. Exactly. Yeah. So my other question would be, you know, this is a question I usually ask um, some of these entrepreneurs because 
Um, you know, technology is obviously something that's rapidly expanding, rapidly advancing. Um, have you seen any, you know, technology applied to, you know, I guess the CFO position or, or, or just, um, your position within a city, um, that might be impactful to other cities and, you know, other surrounding areas that just might be something to, um, for all of us to kind of keep an eye on or, or I guess like anticipate. Yeah, I'm a, I've always been a little uh, on the nerd side when it comes to technology. And I have to say the remote work environment has been, we've been forced to adapt to it. In cities, all government, well-written in economics, we're all, always slower than the private sector of adopting stuff. But we've been forced to adopt stuff quickly. And so, and, you know, um, and, um, invention is the uh, necessity is the mother of invention. Uh, so we've had our IT department in our various parts of our city have been, it's been amazing to watch them be able to adapt and adopt this. I think with technology, it's from a city side, when for any large corporation, medium-sized corporation, medium-sized business, um, the larger you are, the harder it is to move. Um, so sometimes it's more difficult to adopt to these, we ca- I would call it as an economist, a negative shock event. Um, but when you're forced to adopt, because you need to maintain these operations, you need to keep the wheels moving. Um, it's actually been, I know COVID's been awful, though watching people adapt, especially from the technology side, has been actually quite awesome to watch. We have a lot of great employees who were so willing to kind of adopt these technologies and to move forward, whether it be, you know, move, moving meetings to Zoom calls or whatever organization or web app, WebEx or Microsoft Teams and uh, becoming more in tune with like the rhythm of answering emails. And it's just, it's been amazing how quickly we've been able to adopt these new technologies. And, you know, de- technology adoption when you don't need to adopt it is, is inherently slow. I think that's why, you know, if you look at wartime economies, they, they adapt technology very quickly because you have to. Um, this is very similar in a sense that you need to adopt these or you're going to be completely unable to work. And, so seeing some of those technologies, especially the, I would, it sounds funny because we've had emails, we've had Zoom, we've had Skype, we've had Microsoft Teams for years now, but the force adoption of it has really made people in a way more accessible, even though you can't walk to their office anymore because they may not be there. So using technology, not just to make yourself more efficient, but to make yourself more accessible, I think it's been a huge advantage, absolutely huge advantage. Yeah, no, I mean, I could agree more. I think, um, watching people adapt has definitely been very cool. I think that, you know, in, in all walks of life, you know, I mean, people that wouldn't normally, you know, like you said, have to adapt, they would have to adapt slower. They wouldn't normally have to keep up with trends or they're going to like disappear. Even like, you know, people like teachers, people like, um, you know, first responders, you know, there's obviously different types of technologies, but, and then, you know, um, workers like yourself who, you know, now you have, you know, like you said, you're trying to manage the budgets of all these different things. People aren't as accessible, but, watching, you know, normally these would probably take place in very, you know, structured meetings and stuff like that. And now it's, um, it's completely disrupted, but it seems like, you know, from an outsider looking in, people have been able to be as productive as ever before. And so, um, and that's, that's really cool to watch. Yeah. There's that, uh, this is actually, uh, you know, economists, we like to look at crazy events that we could never do in experimental economics. And, there's a lot of papers written in the early 2000s that was basically saying like people are actually just as efficient, if not more efficient, working at home. And uh, we had to wait 20 years, but we finally got a way to test that. And it's largely been true. People are just as effective working from home. If anything, an enhanced work-life balance increases somebody's productivity. Um, so it, again, not that this is the absolute worst way we'd ever want to test this, 
but we got our results showing, you know, the economy is still moving forward. Um, there are certain groups and certain uh, labor market cohorts that are negatively affected, and we have to do our best, both as government and private industry, to support those cohorts. And economies do develop, and as economies develop in the long run, everybody it will work out. Don't get me wrong, but it is amazing to see that, like, yeah, you know, it's right. It does work. People can work from home. They're just as efficient. Yeah, I mean, it's it's showing itself right now, and I mean, I it looks like. Um... You know, you have the benefit of working from home. I think a lot of uh, it's funny to watch. Like I was in a pizza shop the other day and I was a student was um, I think one of their parents or guardians was working there, um, but they were doing school right in the corner. It looked like they were getting a lot done. It's like so you look around and everyone's kind of doing it together. But like you said, it's like this is just one giant in a way experiments when it comes to like how can we deal with some how can we deal with so much change at once? How can we deal with so much that kind of being thrown at us. And I mean, I give a lot of people a lot of credit. I give a lot of businesses a lot of credit and I give a lot of, you know, cities and States a lot of credit and how they've been able to adapt and run because it's, it hasn't been a lot of time. I mean, in like literally a matter of months. Um, and, and the fact that students are in school in many cases, or even just learning remotely and it's, it's working, you know what I mean? I have, um, you know, I have family members and, and my girlfriend's a teacher and you know, watching them get through this, but like actually be, you know, very effective in, in teaching and, and doing everything they need to do. It's just, it's, it's very eye opening. It's, it's, and like you said, it's almost like a study that you'd never think was going to happen, but it ended up doing it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's funny. I, uh, I, w- I was in the office every single day during the lockdown, during lockdown, because it was, you know, we were essential employees. So we ran skeleton crews. And uh, it was funny, my wife works in healthcare, so she worked every day like it was normal too. And uh, so now, you know, now I'm taking the, you know, I take like an extra day. I don't, I'm one of those guys, I don't like taking a whole week off. I, I grew up in a small business family, so I think that's like naturally ingrained in me that taking a week off is the most absurd thing in the world. <laughs> uh, so I was like, you know, take, that's what, you know, I look forward to talking to you. So I was like, oh, I guess I'll take Friday off. Um, and it's funny because I remember having our skeleton crews in. So you don't have like two or three people in there. Now, my office was, I mean, they're really good. They're re- I love my office. I think I have the best department in the city. I'm sure every single director will, will disagree with me. Uh, but they really, really, uh, they really pulled through. And, uh, but it's funny now because I talk to people who only, whose whole life revolves around Zoom. And uh, I was like, do what? I don't remember that because I never had to live it. But I'll tell you something funny. We, we, we just started doing in-person meetings as long as we're following all the COVID protocol. Nine times out of ten, they want to meet in person, whoever you're offering it to, because they haven't left the house in three months for a bit for a work meeting. Yeah, right, right, right. So I think people appreciate it more too. They do. No, and, and the flexibility of it is great because, like you said, it's 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 opened up our eyes to the fact that you can be more or as if not more productive doing it this way. So it just offers such a good, like, like you said, work-life balance. You know, what I mean, there's not a need for people who work in the city; they might live in Quincy or Branch, where I'm from. Um, they have to wake up at, you know, 5.30 a.m., catch a train, get into the office, and then do that whole thing going home. And now it's like, well, maybe I'll do that a couple of days a week, you know, to go in and catch up with my um, my coworkers. And, and, and maybe there is an in-person meeting that I should attend. But at the end of the day, you know, if I need to, if I want to have some balance on Friday and just work from home, you know, you can wake up at seven and start working and, you know, just kind of get as much done. I mean, I've seen it myself personally. I've come into the office all the time um, because, you know, I just, I feel the same way as you. I kind of like being here um, and I, I like getting out of the house, but 
at the end of the day, if I need to work from home, it's like, I'll start earlier. I can end later. I don't have anywhere to be. I can do meetings. You know, normally I think me and you would probably be meeting face to face if we were going to be talking to each other ever. Mm -hmm. But now we have the ability to do this because, you know, Zoom has presented that option. And I've never really even used Zoom prior to this. You know, all my stuff was face to face. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I am one of those people. I don't, I don't like long email conversations. I don't like phone conversations. I'm, I don't like, I'm one of those guys where I don't want to be sitting in my office. I want to go, I'll talk to you. I want to meet with you directly. I mean, there's so many distractions between answering emails or being on a Zoom call, whatever have you. I'm a big person to person guy, but it's funny how we've even changed our, uh, you know, just the way we interact with each other on Zoom calls and stuff like that. It really, it's interesting how that whole new culture evolved so quickly. Definitely. Now, my other question, we've talked a lot about how, you know, the disruption has been mostly around like how COVID has disrupted it. Um, and this is a question I kind of ask everybody and, and you've done, you know, been obviously recognized that COVID is, is um, a bad thing like we all do, but you know, the encouraging, a lot of this talk has been encouraging about how we're get, getting through it. Um, you know, do you have any like kind of lessons that I guess you've learned outside of, you know, maybe um, what we've already discussed in terms of being product productive, you know, from home that, um, any lessons that you learned from kind of dealing with this situation, I guess, just maybe more within your job that, um, that you could kind of tell us a little bit about and, you know, basically maybe offer as a little bit of encouragement towards anybody who else who's, who's kind of dealing towards this. Yeah. I mean, I'm an economist, so my natural, I'm naturally an optimistic person. I don't think there's too many economists who are, who are negative. I think you'd probably exit the field pretty quick. It's ironic. We call our field the dismal science that yeah, we're, we're mostly optimistic people. Um, but just for this role, but, you know, being the CFO or just, you know, my more, my more academic roles, um, I look at it, I'm, I'm optimistic because I think this show, I, I think we, I don't know why, but I think people generally think people more negatively of humans or Americans, whatever you want to say, how we act. But I think what I've seen for my job role, you know, just the outpouring of support from the community for other community members. I mean, it really has been amazing. I mean, you're always going to hear negative stories. Negative stories sell headlines better. That's just human nature. Um, I mean, but the ability, what I've seen with people just interacting with the public, whether it's um, donating food, donating PPE, I mean, just the phone calls, we, hey, I have a bunch of masks. Where can I drop them off? Or people sewing masks or the, uh, the hero bands and stuff like that that hold the masks together for healthcare workers just outpouring. How can I reach out to seniors? How can I help kids? Let me build desks for kids who are working from home. We have to, I mean, it's been amazing to see, like, we're not these people who don't care about each other. That's just not true. We, we, we genuinely care about each other. Um, there was restaurants at multiple restaurants in Quincy who were offering free meals for any kid or anybody who couldn't afford something. You didn't have to ask. You just walk in and tell them they would feed you. Um, that, what, that is just altruism. That's it. We forget that altruism exists. The vast majority of economics and actors in the economy are altruistic in nature. It's not, it's not a conniving that people aren't conniving. That they're inherently more optimistic people, more optimistic altruists among us than there are conniving people who want opportunists. Um, but that's what it taught me. Like that's what it taught me both from like, hey, looking at the economic data to looking at how people interact day to day. You know, from Hancock Street to Wall Street, uh, there really seems to be people wanting to engage more in this. I mean, who would have thought a, you know, two point, a massive, I mean, I, I'm one of those nerds that read the CARES Act when it, the weekend it came out. And I looked at it in my first take, my first, I, 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 not messing with you, the first thing reading through it was, we can pass this type of good legislation 
why haven't we been passing stuff like this? It's so bipartisan. I'm like, are we, because when it really cut when the rubber meets the road, we have issues like this. And I'm saying this as there's a battle over the current stimulus plan going on right now. But what that showed me is that like when we needed it, people stepped up and I don't know. Sometimes I, I, I probably sound too idealistic for somebody who deals with finances, but it, I do. I, I, I think this, as awful as COVID's been, it's revealed that we are altruistic and that people will try and help each other, whether it's local, state, or federal, or national level. People, people seem to care. Oh, I think that's a fantastic answer. I, I've seen a lot of the same things. And I mean, um, it really is true. It's eye-opening. And like you said, you know, a lot of the times the news or the media will present something that's more negative because it, that's what sells tickets. That's what gets views. But at the end of the day, you know, people us being, you know, human beings, seeing things with our own eyes and, and with our and listening to things with our own ears and, and not, you know, and, and, and taking that for what it's worth. And, and like you said, looking at people who are, you know, restaurants who are being hurt by this as much as any business or, or probably probably the most by anything, you know, what I mean, giving away meals for free to people who who need them at a time that, you know, it's just um, it really is. It really is awesome to see a lot of that. And I don't think we see enough of it on, you know, you're not going to find that type of stuff like you mentioned on TV. You got to go out there and kind of look at it with your own eyes and, you know, wear a mask. But at the same time, um, kind of if you do step outside, you go see people coming together, people wanting to help each other, people, you know, like you said, first responders, um, people, you know, nurses, the, the, those type of people stepped up bigger than. And so it really has been, um, great. And it's encouraging moving forward because once we do kind of hopefully get out of this little funk and, 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 and hopefully find a cure, hopefully find a way to just, you know, continue what, no, what normal life once was, um, we keep that same attitude. I think that we will, I think that a lot of people will. And I think that, um, you know, as, as divided as the, the media wants us to seem like we are, um, you know, you've seen a lot of what, like you said, with your own eyes of that's just not as true as it's, they're making it out to be. I think a lot of people are out there helping each other. Yeah. I think I'm one of those big believers that 90% of Americans agree on 90% of issues. We just bang, we just magnify the differences. That, yeah, you, you just put it really well. You just put it really well. And I think a lot of people, you know, no matter who you are, where you come from, um, you see someone that needs help, you know, people want to help people want to help naturally and um, what, no matter what it is. And so, um, and, and that, that has been super encouraging. And I think that was probably one of the better answers I've heard. And I, I appreciate, um, I appreciate your altruism because, you know, we need a lot of that right now. And I think that we're seeing a lot of it. Hopefully we keep getting more of it and, uh, and we can move into the next phase of our, our economy and our lives with that mentality. Yeah. No, I mean, I had, a, I, had an e, I had an econ professor. She's a great professor. She said one time, she goes, people don't innovate, innovate, invent, and cure diseases simply to make more money. She goes, they do that because entrepreneurs, innovators like to like to expand human knowledge. That these people are doing these for anything to, because they're altruistic and they want to improve the world. They don't do it to you know increase the you know number on a balance sheet. And I, I think I could, I think the history of economics has proven that. Yeah, you're right. I mean, look at the people. You get a person like Elon Musk who could just go by the entire island of the Bahamas and probably live there by and just hang out. But you know, he's doing things like um, with with what he's doing with Tesla and, and trying to reduce emissions. Like, you know, there's a lot of people out there that do stuff like that. That just and and there's a lot of people that haven't made it anywhere near to his level of like financial freedom that are still doing stuff like that. And, and like you said, it's just it mostly comes from the heart and wanting to be better and wanting our nation to be better and wanting people to, to, to have access to better things. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm a type one diabetic, so like I look at Frederick Banting, who won the Nobel Prize for discover for synthesizing insulin. He sold it for half a Canadian dollar to the University of Toronto, and he, yeah, and even crazier, uh, he's the only person to he died when he was 47, only person to appear on Canadian money for two different reasons. He was also like the big, he was like the essentially the Wright brothers of Canada. Uh, he like developed, yeah, he, he's a craziest life. But even uh, Jonas Salk, I mean, he didn't patent the cure to uh, polio, or the, I should say the vaccine for polio. I think in, I, I, I use those two examples because as we're coming up on, um, you know, hopefully it'll be, looks like a lot of different options for vaccines for, uh, for COVID. I mean, the, the, the scientist sitting there who's trying to figure this out, stuff out is not somebody who I think is just doing it for balance sheet. I think there's altruism in there. I do too. I do too. And um, no, that's great. And so, I mean, you seem like someone who's, um, you know, takes a lot of time to educate themselves. Uh, and, I like to read. Yeah, you like to read. So that was my last question was going to be, um, you know, can you give us a book that maybe you've read recently or a book that, you know, has kind of had a lot of impact on you at some point in your life that you could share? Because, um, you know, I've been doing a lot of reading myself lately, trying to just learn as much as I can. The, my favorite book that I always recommend when I'm asked this question is uh, Niall Ferguson's Ascent of Money. It lays out every mechanism in, in the economy and how it works, the whole entire history of it going back. If it's talking about insurance, he'll start back when Dutch traders bought shares in each other's boats so that when they were trading, if one of the boats sunk, they wouldn't all be, they wouldn't be ruined. I mean, it's one of those books that if you want to be somebody who's educated on financial mechanisms, whether you're a small business owner or you're trying to become C-staff at a Fortune 25 company, it's just the most valuable book in the world. I think you get it on Amazon for like $6. It's just that it's one of the best books you'll ever read. That will be, um, that will be something I buy very soon because I think that, um, and, and if, you know, I'll, I'll share some episodes of this with you because we've gotten a lot of good book recommendations um, recently that I've been just like stacking up on my Amazon, uh, <laughs> my Amazon cart. Um, that sounds like a great one. You know, I've always been someone that like, I don't have my master's degree. I have a business degree um, undergrad, but I've always said if I were to go back and do an MBA, it would definitely be on economics because I think oh, yeah. it's so fascinating. I think that the science behind it, like you said, People even back, you know, as far as hundreds of years ago, um, thinking like such a deep level about certain things, like you said, you know, buying shares in, in a boat that, you know, it's, 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 it's amazing. It's amazing. And, and the trickle down effect that one, um, one thing has on thousands of things is, is incredible. Uh, yeah. Um, if I, if I, there's a uh, Hayek has like told the man on the spot theory and something I, you know, when you talk to entrepreneurs, I always love to tell them about that because I feel like. I feel like entrepreneurs are so hard on themselves <laughs> like, as an economist. Like, you guys are great. <laughs> I, don't, I wonder if that's the part of being an entrepreneur is that you, you, you're successful because you're hard on yourself. Um, but you man on the spot is a theory that, uh, that Hayek writes about. And uh, yeah, I love it because like every, like every one of my buddies who's working through a business, you know, I feel like entrepreneur is like 99% failure. And then you get that 1% and that takes off. Like that's my, that's my, it's like a car accident. Um, and I love it because he talks about like, no, 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 you, you don't, don't worry about all those crazy little strings that tied everything and how you like, don't stress out on trying to understand complex mechanisms because you're the person making the decision on the spot. You're the individual who has taken the risk to be in the position, take advantage of something. Don't worry about everything else. You've already done enough work to be the marginally, what we would call the marginal, marginally superior actor in that economic exchange. I love it because it's like the, the guy who is trying to buy and sell, say, you know, 
sit by himself furniture somewhere. He's better at understanding that than the whole entire furniture manufacturing company because the exchanges are always local. Economies are always local. You're trading money with somebody else who's right in front of you. And I, I just love that because I, most, of, most of my buddies are entrepreneurs. So I send that to her like, oh, that, that, that's how I feel. It's like, don't worry. Economics, economists are rooting for you. We're, we're in favor of you. Right? <laughs> we're sitting by the sidelines. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh, it's funny you mentioned that. I think by nature, um, like you said, what makes maybe a good entrepreneur is – it's tough to like have that, like, you know, we say it all the time around here when, when, you know, we've, we've been able to have fortunate, you know, recently, especially been fortunate to have like some success in what we're trying to do. And, but we're just not good at celebrating it because we're always looking for the next thing. We're always looking for like what could go wrong. You know what I mean? So like time passes and you're like, wait a second, we just, we just did something pretty cool, but like we haven't even talked about it because it's just like onto the next like worry or onto the next you know, fire to put out or onto the next, this, that, and the other thing of where are we going to make our next buck? But at the end of the day, um, you have to have that mentality too, of like, you know, recognize that what you're doing is impactful, recognize that what you're doing is you're having success at what you're, what you're accomplishing. You know what I mean? Like, you know, this podcast, for example, is something that like, I always kind of wanted to do. And I always thought like, Oh, it's going to cost money to edit or it's, it's going to be like, you know, I don't know how to, I have no idea how to do any, use any of those tools. And then someone was just like, dude, just invite some guests on, do a Zoom call, hit record, put it on YouTube. You got a podcast. And I love it. I like, love I've it. I had so much fun doing it because it's just like, wait a second. I was overthinking this whole entire thing. And, and I've been able to talk to some really cool people like yourself who, you know, I don't think I'd normally be able to, like, it would be tough to get a conversation with because, you know, at a certain points, like, why would we really be talking outside of maybe a networking event? But, um, I love it. And I think that, um, you know, you kind of maybe just kind of appreciate like even where this is coming. It's not even, I'm not even monetizing it in any way, but like I'm using it as good content. And, and so, uh, no, thanks. Thanks for the insight. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's utility. We do stuff to make us happy. Um, I, could, one of the, I remember when I, when I first started in economics, uh, I did this uh, pu- uh, publication when I was an undergrad and uh, it was on ballet licensure. And uh, I can barely walk up a flight of stairs, let alone do what ballerinas do. Uh, so I probably have no right to be writing about that. But it, it, it was on a public policy aspect of it. And one of my buddies, one of my oldest friends, turns to me and goes, how's that economics? It doesn't have to do with money. And I go, oh, of course, me being me. I'm like, oh, economics has nothing to do with money. I go, it has to do with utility. Now, money is a medium to gain happiness or utility. But that's the thing. We, 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 we spend our time either to monetize it, to use that money to make buy things that make us happy or we use it for stuff like this like like i love i love coming on and talking on shows like this i mean it's these are my favorite ones it's because it's you and i having a conversation that's you know effective it's it's enjoyable it it, it provides you know an insight into a field like public sector cfo isn't exactly the most common person you run into um somebody an entrepreneur like yourself who's willing to do all this stuff is not a common individual common economic actor so being able to sit down and have a conversation i I feel like it's fun for me i enjoy it it sounds like you enjoy it it's it's a good use of time it's an efficient and economically efficient use of time to steal some terminology i agree no it's been awesome i um eric it's been it's been tremendous meeting you um no honestly i uh love to stay in touch because you know i i think that you have a lot of great insight on things and um i like the way you think about the world and um no thank you for sharing all this with us and um what a pleasure yeah, thank you, sir. Awesome. We'll we'll talk to you again soon, all right? All right. All right, take care.